You are listening to What the Flood Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to What the Flood Podcast. My name is Lauren Hanch, and I'm part of the Aon Edge sales team. And today we are going to be talking to Larry Mitchell, who's also part of the Aon Edge sales team and takes care of the western side of the country, the west coast, otherwise known as the best coast, according to him. Right, Larry? That's right. But you know what? Nobody can beat the beast coast that you work in, Lauren. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. As the months go on, we'll see what happens. Um, so how's everything going in California these days? Well, things are going very well. You know, it's uh, we got some clouds here, which is nice in California. Maybe we'll get a little bit of rain. But, uh, you know, as uh, this podcast is going to talk about today, rain is great. But after a fire, it can be devastating. That's right. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, something that a lot of people, especially outside of the western side of the country, don't really realize is that wildfires in California and some of those other western states really lead to a higher flood rate um, more in the winter months. What we think are the winter months is really their flood months. It's a little bit different for us over here on the east coast because we really look out for the hurricanes and things. But for California and the other western states, the wildfires is really the big issue for them over there. Um, 2020 was a bit of a mess in every way possible. We had a lot of hurricanes. We had a pandemic. And on top of that, we had a very, very active wildfire season. Um, Larry, can you talk a little bit about how wildfires were affecting California during last year? Yeah, it was crazy here on the West Coast. Anything basically from the Rockies and West, we just had the worst fire season in recorded history. We had over 40 large fires. Um, ended up being about 10 million acres burned. And this is in every Western state, we had massive amounts of wildfires. And just to you know, give you a little bit of context, it was over 14,000 buildings that were destroyed and uh, almost $3 billion in damages. It was a really devastating year for us. Yeah, that's, that's almost more than what um, the damage we saw from the very active hurricane season that we had this year too. So um, let's talk about a, a little bit about, because most people probably don't understand why does a flood even happen after a wildfire? What goes on during and after a wildfire that would lead to extreme flooding? Yeah, good question. This is something I learned uh, once I started looking a little bit deeper. I mean, I've been in the insurance business for 25 years, specifically in flood for just about 10 years now. And I always heard that, yeah, you know, after a wildfire, it increases flooding, but I really never knew why until we really dove into this and uh, I started looking at some of the research you did, Lauren. Very interesting. Uh, what happens uh, when there's a severe wildfire is that not only does it burn off all the vegetation that naturally absorbs and controls water flow, but it also melts the soil, the chemicals and the materials and minerals in the soil actually melts them and creates like a waxy type surface. So when you get even a small amount of rain, like one or two inches, it can cause devastating, fast-moving fires. And especially when, you know, some fires happen, unfortunately, Montecito was the worst example that we've had in recent history, where the fire, the Thomas fire, was still burning in the eastern part of Santa Barbara and Ventura counties when the rain was coming in from the west. So, you know, all the emergency uh, professionals from those Communities did not have time to get in and clean up all the waterways 
So we just create a massive amount of mud, rock, and water flow that uh, you know completely inundated Montecito and sadly had a significant loss of property and life. Yeah, I mean, look, all I really see from these wildfires over the last couple, or I shouldn't say last couple months, but at the end of 2020 was the news coverage from it. To me, it seems year over year that wildfires just are increasing out on the West Coast. Do you think that's a true statement? I know you've been out there for a while. So do you feel like the wildfires have been going up every year? Uh, no doubt, not just anecdotally, anecdotally from my particular perspective, but also, you know, scientifically and historically, if you look at the models, um, not only uh, is it getting warmer and are there more fires, but moisture is less in a lot of our communities. So, you know, from the difference in damage just in the last 15 years is dramatic. You know, we've gone from under, you know, a half of a billion dollars in damages up to um, over a billion dollars in damages. You know, this is year over year, it's a continual trend of increase and in losses, fires. And, you know, we don't get into whether it's, you know, you know, we don't get into political debate, whether, you know, it's uh, global warming or whatnot. All we know is historically, fires are increasing and flooding is increasing. There's so since no we're gonna be, have, wait, since we have a lot of agents and brokers listening to this podcast, I think that you have a little trick to know what the difference is for things covered on a flood policy when it comes to wildfires with regard to mud flow or mudslide. Good question, yeah. Um, so, you know, anytime after wildfire, really for any flooding event, of course, flowing water, you know, overflowing inundation of water is covered and mud flow is covered. Now, not mudslide, and a lot of people get confused with that, Lauren. So, you know, one of the better analogies I've heard about it is um, chocolate shake is covered, but not chocolate cake. So if it's flowing, if it's moving, then that's gonna be covered with a flood policy. As you know, you know, none of these types of events are covered. If you don't have flood insurance, normal homeowners policies, you know, cover, you know, water damage from bursting pipes and those things, you know, backup of sewers, but right. certainly not water flow. Um, so chocolate cake is moving, uh, chocolate, uh, excuse me, chocolate shake that's moving. Chocolate cake is not, that's when it just sort of, you know, slides down. So, you know, it's pretty easy for a claims professional to determine that, but for some of us, you know, some of us lay people, it's not. But think of it this way, Lauren, if it's raining for 40 days and 40 nights, then <laughs> the sun comes out, the birds are chirping, and all of a sudden the side of the hill comes down, that's definitely mudslide, not mudflow. Right, and so that's not gonna be covered. The mudslide is not something that's covered on a flood policy. Is there coverage out there for that kind of a situation? Is that typically covered on a homeowner policy? That is not covered on a homeowner's policy. And quite frankly, landslide, mudslide, very, very hard to find. You know, sometimes if you search high and low, you can get, you know, a difference in conditions policy, but quite frankly, they're pretty hard to find, especially anywhere where the risk is. So even an earthquake policy doesn't cover something to that degree. No, does not cover it. So now if there's an earthquake and it happens uh, concurrently with an earthquake, then that would be covered under a, a earthquake policy. So I like that analogy that you use. The chocolate shake is covered because it's, if, you, if I guess if you think of a chocolate shake, it's a little bit more liquidy than obviously a chocolate cake. So keep that in mind, folks, when you're writing flood, <laughs> especially on the West Coast and what's going to be covered, what isn't. I, I'm sure a lot of your insureds had that same question. Yes, they do. And I sure hope I didn't, you know, 
you know, destroy anybody's dessert. You know, when they're having <laughs> thinking about landslide or mudslide. But yeah, that's a great little analogy to remember. It. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I always need those little tidbits to help me remember. Because if you've ever read a flood policy or the the actual form, the policy booklet, it is not light reading to say the least. So by the time yeah. you get to that page, you may be snoozing away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are a little bit complicated. Nothing against you know our attorney friends, but uh, yeah, they're written by lawyers. Sometimes a little bit hard to decipher. Yeah. So. There's, I know I was doing some research about wildfires for this podcast. We also had a learn in 10 webinar a couple of weeks ago um, where I was doing some research and I learned so much, but also there are just so many resources out there to help agents pinpoint the risk and help their customers figure out what kind of policies they need. Do you know of what, like some of the best resources out there that agents can use? Yeah, great point. Um, you know, one of the better resources, especially directly after a fire, one thing I learned through this process and actually, you know, in the flood industry in the last few years is after a major wildfire, then the USGS, United States Geological Survey, comes in along with FEMA, Army Corps of Engineers, and they actually remap wildfire areas because it changes the flood risk in the flood zones. So USGS.gov, USGS.gov has some great um, you know, resources for looking at the, the maps after a wildfire. Uh, of course, FEMA has a great toolkit to help you out uh, to make sure that you, you know, try and protect your property the best you can after a fire protected from flood. So you don't get hit with the double whammy, you know, the severe fire in your area and then severe floods afterwards. Uh, of course, none of those can, you know, protect you 100% against mother nature, you know, I live in California, so I hear so often, Lauren, oh, we're in California, we're in a drought, we don't get floods. But the fact is that we're nothing, and most of the Western United States are nothing but mountains and valleys, and valleys are floodplains. That's right. There's, yeah, there's floodplains everywhere, and we've done a great job to, you know, build dams and levees and drainage and all those things. But as we know, Mother Nature can knock it all down with a flick of a finger. Yeah, there was a big flood back in the 1800s, right? Um, that, that speaking of raining for 40 days and 40 nights, I think it was a pretty similar situation, right? Oh yeah, that was the great flood of 1862 you're talking about. And yeah, that was a series of um, what we call Pineapple Express storms. And, uh, you know, very warm storms coming in after historically, uh, you know, significant snow, seasons and we had like three or four back in that day we had three or four really you know high seasonal flood to uh, flood totals um, because of the snow accumulation so what happened is we had all this snow it rained significantly for you know many weeks and to make a long story short basically there was flooding all the way from the columbia river up in portland all the way down to bakersfield and beyond so we didn't have all the you know flood and damage control we have now and it was it was bad. Um, in fact, in Sacramento, the legislators had to go to work in rowboats at the state capitol until they wow. relocated to San Francisco, and they actually raised the entire city of Sacramento ten feet. That's how severe the Great Flood of 1862 was. And the scary thing, Lauren, is it could happen again if we have you know several years of significant snow followed by some pineapple expresses. So, in fact, scientists think these things happen about once every 200 years. That was 1862, so 
God forbid, we don't want that to happen again, but we do want to be as diligent as we can in protecting, you know, uh, you know, our property. Um, and of course, you know, flood insurance is one way where people can make sure if the worst does happen, uh, then they have coverage to, uh, you know, rebuild. Yeah, just out of curiosity, why is it called a pineapple express? Um, because it comes from the tropics, it comes up from the south. So a lot of storms that come from the and hit the west coast, they come from the north, Alaska, they're cold. But when they come up from the south and from the tropics, they're called pineapple expresses because it's warm water. And when warm rain, it's melted snow, it creates devastating floods. Interesting. Yeah, the only thing I think of when I hear Pineapple Express is that movie. Um, I think like Owen Wilson was in it a while ago. It was about the train, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right, Larry. Well, thank you for spending some time with me today and letting our listen listeners know about wildfires and how it could affect their flooding risk. Um, I'm going to actually link Larry's contact information in the show notes on this podcast. So if you're interested in reaching out to him for more information on our products or to talk a little bit more about wildfires, I'm sure he's happy to talk to you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everybody. And thank you, Lauren. Thank you for listening to What the Flood podcast. For more information on Aon Edge products, please visit us at aonedge.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn to find out more industry news and more updates about our products. Thanks for listening.